Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Honoré and I are hanging out again. We are just making the run. We've got the the, the pre-Christmas run going. Yeah. It's going to be great. We're going to talk about legal partnerships and documents and all this stuff. The fun stuff in the back end of the business, right? <laughs> can be. <laughs> can be interesting. Can be fun. Yes. And I think I said legal partnerships. What I meant to say was legal documents and partnerships. Yeah. yeah. Well, you need legal documents to have fun partnerships. This is true. This is very true. You've yes. got you've got quite a bit of experience with this across multiple different types of business lines, which I think is super cool because um, although I've got a stack of legal agreements, they're all pretty much in the same two or three niches. Um, yeah. Agreements between businesses, uh, for services rendered on contracts, agreements between me and clients for client one-on-one -on -one client work, and then agreements between me and business partners, whether they be instructors, co-founders, whatever. Um, but uh, your agreement with me when I first joined EBM, I think it was the EBM contract. I think it was. Uh, that one made me smile from ear to ear. I was like, I love this template and I love the language in it. And I love the way you structured it because it made it less contracty and more, I, I don't want to say appealing to me as a client, but it was, it was more appealing to me as a client. Pretty cool. So you want to, yeah. want to impart some wisdom on us about some legal documents and this is particular to coaching or is this, are you, are you talking about more than just coaching? I think legal agreements in general, when it comes to doing business with other people in whatever way you're doing business, if they are right. your client, if you are their client, if you are partnering on a venture, a company in a particular situation, I have learned so many things. Um, most of them painlessly, sometimes not. Mm. Um, I learned very early um, in my, I'm going to say official business career because I had a career in network marketing where I thought I was an entrepreneur, but really there's a distinction with the difference that you are when you are in a, in a direct sales or network marketing company, someone else is determining your products, your process fulfillment, providing you with materials and things like that, being out on your own and creating all of those things yourself is a, is a completely different animal. So in my very first business, I kind of got, I was like, oh, I'm entrepreneurial. And then I realized as an entrepreneur, as a real, as, as a, and I don't want to say real, cause I don't want to upset anybody or offend anybody. Cause I don't mean it in a, in a bad way. Sure. But when, when I formed my own entity, when I was not operating under someone else's entity, when I was forming my own entity um, as, as a coach, one of the first things that I, that I was able to do, fortunately, was because I was coaching a lot of attorneys was ask them for advice. What, is, what are the things that I need to have in place? Mm. So legal agreements, legal documents are the basis of a, of a, of an empire, right? If you want to build an empire, you've got to form an entity. That's the very first thing. And the entity is, I'm going to give you the lawyer answer, even though I'm not one, it will depend on where you live and what do you do and who you serve yeah. and how you serve them and all those things. But one of the first things that I learned was good fences make good neighbors. And 
having strong agreements, strong contracts is beneficial from the beginning to not commence work, not to begin work until you have defined who's doing what and when and how and how much it's going to cost and what everybody's going to do, the time and money commitment that's going to go into the situation. Because if there is ever um, a memory that isn't clear, because it's not always like, well, you said this and I said this and there's fighting. Sometimes it's just, what did we agree to? <laughs> I don't remember. Yeah. Is it five days? Is it 10 days? Is it 30 days? Wait, who's on first, right? It's the, the contract is meant to be the place that people go for clarification. Right. It's created for clarity and it's kept for clarification later if needed. So you will always consult your agreement. And this is the first piece of wisdom is I would advise someone too, because I did, I did this accidentally, but this is what I recommend is that you um, work with someone above your weight. Don't work for the attorney you need today. Work with the attorney you'll need a couple of commas from now, right? They will be more expensive, but they will be able to see around corners and add things to your contracts that you perhaps wouldn't think to add because you don't see them coming. Additional products, additional services, other opportunities that come along. And the language has to say either it's finite or it's infinite, <laughs> it's infinite, and it will go on forever and it will apply, the division will apply ongoingly, right? So there are some things that that attorneys know because of their areas of expertise and how big the businesses are that they're working with, they will be able to apply their expertise to your contracts. Right. So you and wanna kind of punch above your weight when it comes to your team because you're right. growing a business and as the business grows, you don't wanna have to go, oh, I realize where I have insufficiency and have to go back and do something again. You want to look at your agreements and go, wow, this is cool. This prepared me for when I was a thousandaire, for when I was a hundred thousandaire, when I'm a millionaire, when I'm a decamillionaire, you want everything to be prepared for all along the way. That's really my first most important piece of wisdom. Well, and I like the, the, the point you made about your lawyer's location, right? Because practicing law different from location to location and every major contract I've ever signed whoever I guess you could say is the originator of that contract you know it's almost always like arbitration and everything yep. else is managed out of their location and you need a lawyer that's smart enough to understand whether that's you know puts you in certain positions yeah. um, gives or takes from you uh, all those things um, I've got contracts with companies in uh, Oklahoma and Ohio. And obviously the laws are different between those states. And then contracts I issue are by James city County, Virginia. So it's like, you know, you got to kind of know what you're doing when it comes to location and having a good lawyer, like you said, that punches above like <laughs> your current level understands, yeah. understands the implications of that. Right. Right. Short of going to law school, having someone who who understands where you are and where you're going is really important. Um, the second thing is about being a good party, right? Being a good party of the party of the first part informs the party of the second part. One of the things that I insist upon in my agreements is no gotchas. I mm -hmm. will make sure now it's um, that my relationship with my attorney is of long standing. Um, 
uh, we have the same opinion and and i'm just going to say when it comes to my contracts i'm assuming this is in general right but my contracts that i have him write have no like one single line that gives me the right to your property seven generations from now like there's no gotcha <laughs> in there and there's yeah. no I don't leave anything out that could be interpreted differently later. So I like to have a win, win, win. I win, you win, we win type of a contract. There are some people that are not like that. Some attorneys that are not like that. So if that's how you are, whichever, whichever way you are, you're going to want to have an attorney that plays that way right. with you and for you. And it will follow your direction. Um, I think that is important. Um, anything to say about that? No, I, I love that you are considering their perspective being aligned to yours because it sets, yeah, it sets the expectation when you talk to them that they know what's important to protect for you, um, not just from a legal perspective, but from a business perspective. Because Correct. some people feel differently about, let's just say, for example, IP rights, right? Like, just some yeah. people are super protective and would never give up a single ounce of IP right. rights, regardless of the terms. Right. And there's other people who are like willing to give it up for a time period to have a contract, as long as it's DOA, as soon as the contract's done, that, that obligation's over. Right. And there's other people right. who will sell their rights forever. Like, right. And they, they, they're big. And if that's the case, they probably don't know what they're, what they're signing. Right. Um, so then the other thing is, um, and this is, um, an important perspective, I think when you're going into um, an agreement, I think it's kind of like a prenup, right? So, mm -hmm. so then we're talking personal relationships versus business relationships to the extent you're able to know the person that you're signing a contract with so that the contract is almost non-essential. I'm not saying the contract is non-essential. I'm saying if you partner with the right person, it is non-essential. Right. Now, that could be only because if something happens to you, the person who signed the contract, who then does your partner have to deal with? Are they dealing with a good person? Right. So there's there's the the, the things you can predict, and then there are the things that you cannot predict. So two people coming together, if something happens to either of them, then who gets the business after and who are they dealing with and what are the provisions for that? Like what, what happens there? Sure. Um, that's important. Um, so doing to do due diligence, which also includes not rushing. And I'm going to add not rushing in all facets of, of a conversation. I'm going right. to say when you meet someone and you think you want to go into business with them, they say like, be slow to hire and fast to fire. The same thing is with a contract, be slow to engage and fast to exit. If you see a problem, have an exit in your contract and be fast to exit. The same is with your contract. Don't just meet in a weekend to get married in Vegas, right? Because we know how that's going to work out, Brittany. We know, we know it's not good, right? We know you're going to get divorced three days later. If you are thoughtful and you have an understanding, and this is a, uh, as, it, as in every video, there's also like, we could have this other conversation about this other thing. Sure. But what are the qualities and characteristics of the of a partner that works best with you and the way that you work, knowing yourself and knowing who you work best with? What are the strengths you bring 
and then not pretending there's no part of me that's like i know think of it as well as you do lucas i know youtube as well as you do i know you don't have to laugh so hard right now <laughs> well no i'm laughing because i'd be like oh, i feel bad for that person <laughs> well, right but like, we have so much my, to talk about <laughs> yes yes i know what my strengths are what i bring to the table and i'm very open when i say like this this is my area of genius. This is my area of expertise. This is what I know. And here's what I don't know. I'm going to play in my lane. I'm going to stay in my lane and anything outside of this, just FYI, like I'm not pretending what I'm not. So you need to know that so that we are, we're good. Right. The other side is when you are given something to sign, don't sign it without reading it. If you can read it and understand every word of it and all of its implications, then you may sign it after your attorney has reviewed it. Yes. Even if you think, yeah, this is fantastic. I'm good to go. Please do send it over to your attorney and ask them to review it. It might <clears throat> cost you a few hundred dollars for that review. Mm -hmm. If you don't have a few hundred dollars, then you probably might want to wait to go into business with someone because when you go into business with someone, chances are you're going to be investing far more than a few hundred dollars right. of something, time, money, or both. And so you want to make sure because your attorney could point out something like who's going to get the business if something happens to you, who's going to get the business right. if something happens to them. And you go, I never even thought about that. Right. Or like Do how I long be in business with the spouse of the person right. who's my partner? Yes, but maybe not. Right. And right. so um, marriages can end in divorce. Businesses can end in business divorce. And anyone who's had both will tell you that business divorces can be epically more painful. Oh, God. Right. And I don't know yeah. this from experience. <clears throat> I know this from near experience. Right. Amazon has like, if you have a little asterisk in a, in a swear word, it's called near swearing. Well, I've had near experience. I've had enough near experience that I don't want to have the actual experience. Right. So I'm more careful about the yes and much more quick about the no. Yeah. And so there really can be no rushing. We have to get this done by this is right. It's like, it's going to mm. take as long as it's going to take. We're going to take the time that we take and we're not going to do anything until we have gotten all of our ducks in a row and the ink is dry and then we may proceed and that sucks you guys because you're you know you're madly in love and you want to run off to the yeah. little chapel on the strip and get married and get on with your lives together only to learn on tuesday that he might have three children with four mothers i don't know <laughs> <laughs> whoops wouldn't you rather know yeah you just gotta know other people's um humanity and yep. some of those things you can handle and, and deal with and you're fine with it and other things you know maybe not so much and so it's a going in eyes wide open to a situation so making sure you have an attorney i will go another step and say make sure you have a relationship with your attorney hmm. because they need to understand you and your business and your objectives and where you're going and you as a person in advance of needing them which is where I got very lucky as a business coach. I got to know my clients in advance of needing them every time. So each attorney that I've worked with, I've had relationships with. And there, that was beneficial for a couple of different reasons. One, because I didn't have to explain the whole story to get to what the conversation was about. I need this agreement or I'm having this situation. Right. 
Um, and also I knew how they were wired. We were wired the same. So I was choosing from a place of like, this person really acts in integrity. And I know that because I've worked with them for a long time. I know who they are, mm. not just who they, I think they are or who they're showing right. themselves to be, but actually who they are. Yeah. And then when I have a situation, I can just, Hey, I have a, I have a situation or I have an opportunity and this is what I need. And there's very little needed because the relationship is multifaceted and multi-layered. Right. Yeah. yeah I've, I've seen, um, I've seen where <laughs> the relationship with the lawyer and the lawyer set the, usually is the one who sets the tone, um, yes. has been extremely beneficial for, for me. I know you've had the same experience. Um, in that sometimes my lawyer had to tell me things that were very difficult for someone to tell a client and they knew the client wasn't going to like hearing it. Um, but because we had a good understanding of how the relationship worked, I knew I could just trust them implicitly, even though I might be on the right. receiving end of some advice I don't want. Right. Yes. Right. And it's like, dude, seriously. And they're like, yes. And you're like, ah, Okay. I can say, okay, because I'm not questioning your intentions. I'm not questioning your decision-making. I know that you genuinely have my best interest in mind. So that's, and that our interests are aligned, like you said. Um, I did want to hit on one thing you said, because uh, I've seen this now twice in, in my own business dealings with partners and particularly with a partner who sold a business. Okay. And the, the, on the back, on, on the, on the tail end of every contract is a period of after contract, right? Like after you sign this thing, what are the risks, implications, actions, restrictions, all that stuff on you as a human? Um, I have a friend who almost signed away their ability to talk about the subject that they've been a specialist in for 40 years, it's almost like a non-compete. Oh. Oh yes. And I was like, yeah, that is, I have seen that also actually. Yeah. Extremely restrictive. So although the, 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 um, and it was on a business sale. So although the terms of the sale were great and everyone was happy with the terms of the sale, the restrictions that were placed on the previous business owners after the point of sale, like, okay, we've exchanged money, but now you've lost these freedoms for a period of like five years was just crazy to me because now these people only have so many years left to capitalize on their work, right? Yeah. They're only going to work for so yes. long and they can't yeah. even talk about the thing they're specialists in unless they do it with I, that business. Right. I think a well-known case that is just public knowledge is mm -hmm. famous Amos. He oh, the cookies? can't talk about famous Amos cookies. Like he really? sold that business and they said, yeah, you can't make cookies and you can't talk about cookies and you can't use your image or likeness in cookies and wow. can't use your name. And he's like, that's my name. So like, I hope there were a lot of zeros after the, the, you know, the number that he sold that for. Yeah. I don't know what that price would be for me, but it wouldn't be little to give up that ability. So yes, you have to be, be really sure you understand. And if you did not go to law school, it is okay that you don't understand mutual right. indemnification or right of first refusal or term limit or 
what it extends to, your lawyer should, and they should be able to explain it to you in very simple terms, right? right? Or I'm like, okay, talk to me like I'm in third grade, right? Like, tell me what this means, what this could mean, what this might mean, all of the things so that I have a complete understanding so I can make a good decision. And then still don't sign it. There's no rushing. Take right. a night, like sleep on it. Make sure that you really want to sign it because you might feel, and I think this happens in every situation. I know this happens when we're writing a book. It's like, I'm 90% done and I just want it done. <clears throat> I never want to see it again. When you're in a situation, if you're excited to move forward or you're ready to put it behind you, there is sometimes the temptation to just sign something to get it over with and go, mm. what's the worst that could happen? Well, the worst that could happen is awful, right? Yeah. And so you want to make sure that you are in a really good place, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, all the things, and you've rested on it before you sign it. And you want to feel good. It needs to be a heck yes. If it's not a heck yes, it's a heck no. Right. Yeah. And I, make sure I, you understand every aspect of it. Give yourself the time that it sure. takes, have the right counsel, and then take an extra beat. Because right. if it has to be done by this day at this time, then chances are it's not really a good idea. Yeah. I love that you're, I love, uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. You, you can't rush something like that. Right. It's like, that is, you, yes, you have to give it time. You have to have time to think about it. You have to have time for your lawyers to look at it. You're, yes. they have to have time for them to think about it and their lawyers to look at it. And if you're on the receiving end of that contract, it's a little different. You have, you're at a disadvantage time-wise because you haven't been developing the contract. Right. So if you're, if you're a coach or you're a consultant and you're presenting a contract to a client, you have to respect the fact that they're going to need some time to digest what you gave them. It's not, uh, the expectation shouldn't be that that thing comes back in, a, in an email signed within an hour. Um, I know no, that as a matter of fact, I don't even put the reminder on mine for right. three days for three business days. I use mm -hmm. DocuSign, right? right? So it's all legal and there doesn't need to be printing and faxing and all those types of right. things anymore. Cause who has a fax? Um, but I will put a reminder for mm -hmm. three, um, for three days. And then every few days after that, but I give them the time in, in my coaching agreement, you'll, you know, this too, right? My mm -hmm. EBM agreement is one page. It's two columns. It's little tiny print, but it's one page, very simple, straightforward language that I can go back and say, here's this, here's right. what we agreed to here. A lot of people sign stuff like that and they don't read it. Mm -hmm. And then they're surprised by fine print. And I don't mean in my agreement specifically, I just mean in agreements, they just go, right. they sign it. I think the Apple terms of service are the only ones that I'm like, okay. Because if I don't say yes, I don't get my phone, right? So yeah, there's like, nothing you're going to do to change it. Nothing I can do. I can't redline it and send it back. Yeah. <laughs> so that's not how that's going to work. Um, so you want to give someone ample time. And here's a phrase that I have learned in my 30 plus years of doing business. Um, your timing is my timing. There's no rush. I because I have learned that when I rush someone, I will tell someone the story, right? I will say, if you want to publish your book in October, we need to engage no later than January the 15th. Cause I need all that time to do your book correctly. If you don't sign up for something by this date, this, the, the ship is sailed. You have to catch the ship on the next go around, right? So I will give the facts. I will say, just here are the facts as they stand. What you do with those facts are entirely up to you. My timing is your timing. Mm. But here's the, here's 
who's who with the zoo. Here's what we're doing. Right. Right. And then I just say, no pressure for me. I'm just letting you know, here's the story, whether you, whether it's pass or fail, that's up to you. No rush on my part, except external circumstances, right? Like, well, I'm giving a TEDx talk June the 1st. Well, then that will be a rush fee and we need to get going immediately. And, you know, every single day is a day that's being wasted, which will increase the amount of money it's going to cost because other people charge rush, rush fees as well. All the things that factor into it. You can tell people all the information that they need to have to make a, a solid, smart decision on their part for the good of all concerned and then back off. Right. <laughs> Give them the time it needs. It, they you need say to- zipit.com? Zipit.com, Lucas. <laughs> the agreement um, is not an avocado. Yeah. <laughs> Unless it is. Yeah. Um, I got one last point I wanted to touch on. Did you have anything else that you wanted to talk about before? No, I, I don't think so. I don't think okay. so. What do you got? So the only thing I would, I would add is we talked about location. We talked about personality. We talked about um, the importance of making sure that um, your document was assembled properly and professionally. Right. All the, all the good things. I, I think the one thing that surprised me a little bit moving from industry to industry with contracts, because I only dealt with contracts as an entrepreneur for about four or five years, but part of my job in, when I was employed by the, by the military and by the government was contracts management. So I had like 20 years with contracts. It was very different moving from one industry to another. And I found that there were certain expectations I had to adjust based on, I was in a new landscape. The context was different, yeah. right? For example, charging someone money upfront for services was a foreign concept to me as a person working in government sure. contracts because sure. the government always pays in the rears, right? Like we get always. services, then we pay. We, yeah. we authorize an, a, a, a purchase, uh-huh. then we exchange funds. And yeah. it's the inverse in the world I work in now. I charge it my is. fees upfront. Yes. Right. And um, so a lot of that was was a little different for me. And I couldn't stake my plant my flag and say, nope, this is the way this is like all contracts must be, uh, you know, structured exactly like I've seen them for 20 years. Right. No. Yeah, that doesn't work. Right. I had to I had to change when I moved to a different industry. So if you're if you're someone who's transitioning out of a like corporate career, or out of some other area of entrepreneurship or, or from government to civilian or private sector, whatever the case is, just know that your experience is extremely valuable, but your new landscape is extremely different. And you're going to have to get familiar with the, the risk layout in that new territory, right? Yes. yes. Um, I actually thought of an, another example that's hmm. the same and completely different all at okay. the same time. Well, Contracts are different depending on your industry. Yep. yep. When I was coaching and I had my one page agreement, I also got credit card services. You mean so like my, you, you purchased them from a, from a no, vendor? I, I have the ability to run credit oh, card. Gotcha. So I manually key them in. I have a virtual terminal. I've had it for now, like 25 years. And the gal who helped me set up my terminal said, you want to have, and then my attorney backed me up on this. She said, you want to have a place where they fill in the credit card number and then they sign underneath where they fill in the credit card number hmm. so that it says, I'm going to charge you this much for this amount of time on these dates, da, 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 and then signature. And then 
because it's breaking down what they're getting, how they're getting it, how they're paying for it. And then you have the legalese underneath the disclaimer. I'm not a therapist. Here's our dissolution, blah, blah, blah. And then they sign underneath it. So they're signing a one page contract twice. Mm. Once about the money and the use of the credit card. And then at the bottom, I never had to execute it except for one time. Mm. And it was an interesting story. Speaking of partners, I had had a guy hire me to coach him to grow his business. He and his fiance had broken up before he hired me. Then they got back together and she was like, who is this female Person. business coach? Right. And she went and she disputed the charges. <clears throat> oh, and I have the contract that said, and I had done four coaching sessions. And so he owed me the money that I had charged him already. So I charge in advance and then fulfill. Mm -hmm. So my contract says, this is what we're doing. This is how long we're doing it for. And so I was able to show based on notes and communication that I had provided what I had charged him for already. And we just hadn't gone into the second month. So I was like, dude, peace be with you. Mazel tov, best wishes. I hope it works out. It didn't, by the way, long story short, they broke <laughs> up again, but I forgave the rest of the contract, right? I, I reserve the right to like eliminate, to get rid of that contract, but I, they reversed the charges back to me. So they gave me the money. Then she when they dispute the charges, they just take the money, right? They may give it back to you later, but they immediately take the money. So they dip into your account and go, whoop, here's your money. They took the money. And then I provided documentation that I had provided those coaching services and he had paid for those coaching services. And so we were square. I wasn't going to fight with it anymore, but it was because he had signed underneath the credit card. It was very, very clear. And then I was able to show that we had coached on those occasions that I got to get my money back. Most of the time, if you say as the merchant, and in this case, you're not just the coach, you're the business, so you're the merchant, as the merchant, um, but I did fulfill that. They did take my course. I did do the coaching. I did all the things. The credit card company errs on the side of the customer, of the consumer. Right. And so they just go, nope, sorry. We we got your blood sample and it was a 99.9% .9 match. There's a 0.1% chance that it's not you. So no money for you and you're out the money. But that second signature on that contract was what was what got me my like $4,000. Because he authorized the charge. Because he authorized the charge and wow. he received the service. And he said, I received the service, right? He was like, he was, he was sure. apologetic of the behavior <laughs> and right. And I was like, well, I appreciate that. And we're fine, but no coaching for you. Right. Sorry. Yeah. Um, but I was able to get my money and, and that was very helpful. I've always had those signatures on my agreements mm. unless not necessary. Right. I always have that. And if you ever make a change, document everything in writing, send a copy to your attorney. I guess there are a few other things when you execute an agreement, send a copy to your attorney. Mm. So my attorney has a copy of our agreement. Your right. attorney should have a copy of our agreement. Right. I should have a copy of our agreement. You should have a copy of our agreement because 10 years from now, we might be like, where's, where's the agreement? Anybody? 
<laughs> Wait, we saved it in drop in, in the Dropbox, and then it's like, what's Dropbox? Who does anybody have Dropbox anymore? Right? I mean, you you don't know. Like, you want to have a physical copy, you want to have a digital copy, you want your attorney to have a digital copy, you want their attorney to have a digital copy. Everybody needs copies. Redundancy is a beautiful word when it comes to working mm -hmm. in the world of business, especially in legal agreements or any type of contracts. You want to have all of those things. I think that's I, important as well. Yeah, I I saw that really like clearly this summer when my partner, my business partner passed and her family didn't, they called me and said, so how did you guys do business? Right. Um, I'm like, you don't have our agreement in front of you. Like you would probably be looking over these things before you called me. Um, I was a friend of the family, so it was a little different, but yes. you know, they very clearly um, needed some, some guidance on how the business had been run and what the formal agreements had been like with the business. And right. it was very apparent to me that they didn't have immediate access to a lot of those things. So um, yes. yeah, that is very helpful for the people that have to have to come in behind you. If you can't represent your business well for yourself, whether it be illness, uh, relocation, you know, unfortunate passing, anything like that. Um, yeah. You know, they don't, they don't know where you're stashing five different legal folders and no, who everyone is uh, that you're doing business Put them in the binder. With. Have a binder. Put <laughs> it's them in all the in the binder. <laughs> all in the binder. Yeah. <laughs> Print it out. Put it in the binder. Yeah. All right, Miss Honore. Well, yeah, I think we covered a lot. Goodness. We did, and and I and I didn't want to cut this one short because it's really important. This is the stuff that can like really. It's like you know, you and I both know it's life altering, right? Like if this doesn't go right. Yes. Yeah, it can be. If it, it goes can, well then everything is great. And if it Absolutely. doesn't go well, then you want to have all your ducks in a row so that you have, that everybody wins. You want everyone to win. <laughs> yeah. Which by the way, is the question I always ask. It's not whether the contract is good. I always ask my lawyer, what's the worst that could happen with the existing agreement? Like mm -hmm. what's the absolute worst risk I'm taking on here? Because I just need to see, I'm just one of those people has to see Right. Or here, um, like, well, if it falls apart, you can't do work like this for five years. Or, you know, right. if this person walks, you've, you know, they're walking with all your IP or like anything like that. I just need to know what's the worst. Like, I know, like, again, I'm an eternally optimistic person. Thank I know. You. Yes. I know all the ways I'm going to make this great. Yes. But what happens if that doesn't happen? <laughs> so. Right. What happens if you would get stuck with Byron? <laughs> It's your lucky day. I got a feeling we'd be okay. Business and brisket. I mean, okay, now I'm going to keep an eye. I'm going to be looking over my shoulder. <laughs> I just figured oh, out a reason for you to get rid of me. Okay? That's right. <laughs> uh, hey, you never know. You never know. Oh boy. <laughs> All right. Well, um, guys, stay tuned. Um, make sure you guys subscribe. You like the video, all the good stuff. We've got more coming at you, so stay tuned to the channel. And Honoré, I appreciate you sharing your insight today. Thank you. My pleasure. Same from you as well. Thanks, yeah. Lucas. All right, guys. See you next time.